Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Hey there, dudes and dudettes. Time to wax up your boards and go catch the big wave over at the LPN Beach Beach, Blanket. Bingo! One night only at the Balboa Theater in San Diego, October 20th. Come and check out all of the cool cats and the crazy dogs at LPN. Every show in the entire network, each one pulsating and grinding in front of you for your entertainment pleasure. We're all going to catch the big kahuna. And I'm talking about that big greasy guy. I'm talking about a wave. Ew, it's seaweed. It's seaweed. Just so you know, it's going to be inside of a theater. So any physical wetness you experience is your own personal body heat or the sweat of one of the performers. Come and check it out. I'm certain if there's a podcast flavor you need on your tongue, we got the spoon for it. Beach Blanket Bingo, baby. Come on, girls, let's dance. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. my like favorite little like new this clothing company that I like that I get from and it's Japanese and so I was like looking at like an interview with the guy who made it right the guy who first designed all of it in like the mid 80s and you know and they're like with much vigor Mr. Sashi Shoto he he is always uh, filled with ideas and he says like my number two fashion icons of all time it was um James Taylor from the album Graceland oh that's Paul Simon but what's the other one did James Taylor fire and it's not that, but it's the one that, um, um, are we on how Rob? sweet it is to be loved by you. Dude, I can't remember. It's you. that one. Um, and, and Woody Allen. And I was just like, <laughs> wow, I did not know that they could be. A fa- I didn't know he was a fashion icon. Ah, uh, well, yeah. he's got the glasses. He is. I did love that sleepers. Sleeper? Sleeper was a great movie. Yeah, very it was funny. Yeah, Sleeper big, was, yeah, And also funny. it did, uh, it uh, predicted Monsanto. Mm-hmm. And then GMO. so did Pig, Big Top Pee Wee. He becomes Monsanto in Big Top Pee Wee. Big Top Pee Wee becomes Monsanto? In that movie, Wait, he what? is genetically engineering. Remember that? He makes the hot dog tree. He makes <laughs> oh, the tomatoes yeah, really big. Pee Wee. Huh. And I don't mean to sully the good name of Pee Wee. Never. Because, yeah, but he's He only Monsanto. did what he was supposed to do in a jerk-off theater. He jerked off. He was technically a good client, much like... John Holmes? No! <laughs> Never. What? 
Sorry, I was only paying attention to the fact that you only bring up Pee Wee Herman in the context of his masturbation charge. Yes. Because you, do you never, remember it's the only you remember never bring up his talent, you, the joy no, that he's brought to okay, people. Okay, no. You no, only we'll bring up Holmes, his masturbation We're not going to talk about that. Also Fred Willard. But uh, what <laughs> I was going to say is this. Remember the the great, only other man you ever bring up ever. <laughs> because I love both of them. Yeah. Do you remember the greatest joke of all time? Pee Wee Herman comes on The Tonight Show after months and months of his scrutiny. Heard any good jokes lately? No, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. And the no, crowd goes that. crazy. The yeah. big top exploded. He really crushed it. He <laughs> knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> he did. Um, I what I like about this series as right. we begin is that because there's nothing <laughs> peewee about this series. Oh, <laughs> but I got into some fun, like little like jaunt of like, okay, big penises. Big penis. You big just got penises, into it. Right. We just like, kind of dived just in. Just dive right in. Right. Just trying to feel like, and you know that currently the world's biggest penis belongs to Roberto Esquivel Cabrera. Is it Natty? I want you to, uh, yeah, what do you describe natural. as Natty? Yeah. Now look at uh, this man. Now, wow. So he, well, if that's you a can condition. Look at it, that's he, a medical condition. So the man, the only way you can look, the, the way I describe the look uh-huh. on his face in these pictures for the sun.com, only the best journalism here Got at it. Last Podcast on the Left. It only gets sued like three times a year that's for it. doing horrible, <laughs> illegal things. That's it. But he's got this like smirk yeah. of gr- almost a grimmest appreciation <laughs> for you seeing what it is. It's Do you like, think he likes it? Um, I think it was the issue, right? So oh. if you look at him, his penis is 19 inches long. Oh. He never takes his shirt off. No. He only ever shows his penis. And now when you look at his penis, and it's just wow, it's just there. Well, you can't actually see his penis because he has it wrapped up in three types of gauze and a sock. Yes. Now, wow. Now the reason why, it turns out the reason why it's in, this is why Jonah Falcon, the guy with that actual measured 13 and a half penis, he used to have the world's biggest penis, yeah. he is currently challenging this man to saying that your penis does not count because it turns out and you must go to your social media to look at this picture uh-huh. at some point or on your own computer. I don't know how we're going to show this. Sure. You're going to have to go look this man up so you can look at this. And apparently there is only six to seven inches of penis inside of that. That is all he's lying stretched foreskin that oh he has pushed together. That doesn't count. He has mashed together. You know how Netflix puts together their numbers? Of by course. kind of making stuff up? He yeah. did the same thing, but with his own dick size. He's oh just my tugging goodness. it until he's just got Four. a windsock between his legs. Foreskin and seven years ago. Let's just hop into last podcast on the left, <laughs> right, shall right, we? Right. Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. Wow, we're going to learn about the male member today. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness. And one of the worst members of the male party to today as well john holmes and the wonderland murders uh don't worry this is just part one yeah uh, yeah it's, so, it's a two part <laughs> it's it seems like it would take two yeah to uh, handle <laughs> john holmes so the wonderland murders known at the time as the four on the floor massacre was a drug-related vengeful mass killing that occurred in the laurel canyon area of los angeles in the early 80s mm. the four victims had all been brutally beaten to death with a lead pipe their faces crushed beyond all recognition. And if you believe the detectives that wrote Malice and Wonderland about this, first of all, they want you to make sure you know at the very top, just to clear things up, Malice in Wonderland is a play upon the title. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> what? So you know that he's just like, it's just not about Alice. 
There's no Cheshire cat involved in any of these proceedings. Just the hard work of the LAPD. But the there was probably a late bunny rabbit at some point. <laughs> yes. But at some point, he they, they basically just say, like, this was truly one of the worst crime scenes that they had ever seen in their whole homicide investigating lives. Yeah. I believe him. This is when detectives were really, you know, drinking hard and having a horrible time because it was difficult to solve these crimes. I mean, this is late 70s, early 80s Los Angeles. This Ooh. is the time of bad crime scenes. You just smell the cigar smoke and the whiskey. The perpetrators, however, were never convicted, but that doesn't mean that we don't know who did it. The perpetrator, or at least the man who gave the order, was almost certainly a violent, unpredictable, lunatic coke dealer and nightclub owner known as Eddie Nash. I'm just a purveyor of entertainment. <laughs> hey, Penguin. Got any smack? Yeah. I'm actually, I'm Batman, but uh, I'm also like really rich. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God, Batman's got an opioid problem. <laughs> Now, there have been multiple drug-related mass murders in Los Angeles over the decades. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow, no way. What? Fair amount. But the Wonderland murders have endured because of the man who set these events in motion. This man was also almost certainly on the scene when the murders occurred and may have even participated. That's The jury is still out on that. Hmm. That man was the so-called king of triple X, John Holmes, a.k.a. Johnny Wad. Wow. Yeah. What else? What? Oh, well, Family Feud. Steve Harvey, King of Triple X. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Just imagining Steve Harvey's O face. Uh, Imagine John Holmes you know, is you know the what host. It looks like, like again, you can't see it at home, but it looks like. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Did they just say it. that? Holmes is quite possibly the most well-known porn star, well, the most well-known male porn star in history. Although, if we want to talk about the true talents of the vintage age, <laughs> give me a Peter North or a Randy Spears any day over old Johnny Wad, because at least Peter North put some effort into his fucking appearance. Peter yes. North was a showman. Yeah. Randy Spears, pure passion. <laughs> Randy Spears, it's, I also like and the word- comedy. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't forget, was Randy Spears was the funny. He was the funny one. What did he say? He you would know, go like, oh, tits. <laughs> Whoa, is that tits? Wow. No, no. Peter North, he put some effort into it, you know? Right, Peter so North, I really do, because I f finally, we can really get into this, because we've <laughs> never been able to. We've talked about the ladies. Yeah. Many, many times. Many right? times. Like, we've talked about different performers we've liked to watch, but it's really, because it's interesting about the guys, yeah. right? Because to me, I think yeah. the guy is kind of, kind of be like, like, how do you put it? Like a, a nice cologne where you kind of, <laughs> you, you appreciate that he, it's there. It's yeah. serving right. a purpose, yeah. but it's not the whole story. I'm not, I'm not, sure. I, I'm not here for you. It's not the whole story, but I like the man to be attractive and in shape. That's I just agree. me. I don't okay. like a big fat slob. Me neither. Cause no? I want you to be better than me. I want you to look <laughs> different than me. I just like to fantasize that that penis is my penis and everything is making total sense. But no. guess what, man? It's not my penis. I know. That's I haven't no seen way. my penis in a minute. <laughs> there is like no way. I like to watch it. I like to enjoy it. I like to be in the room, man. Actually, most of the time I sit and watch me like, that's a lot of hard work. <laughs> Seriously, I've known some. We we actually have oh, known yeah. some adult male porn stars, and it is not an easy gig. No. no. Be careful what you wish for. Well, the reason why John Holmes is far more famous than Peter North or Randy Spears is because John Holmes has an absolutely massive penis, mm -hmm. but it's not weirdly misshapen massive like, say, serial killer Otis Tool's penis is rumored to be. <laughs> I yes. look you in the rough draft. I think you just put is that like the reason why John Holmes is far more famous than North or Spears is because his penis was big 
and attractive. Yeah, it isn't. That's what I was about to go into is that John Holmes has a nice looking penis. It does Mm. look like there's a pot of gold at the end of it. It's sort of rainbows. (laughs) And uh, well, it's a gonzo when it's 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 getting ready. It's a gonzo. But at the end of the day, it's nice to look at. It doesn't have like that weird bulge in the middle, That's... like where the top is really small and the bottom's really small. I hate that. Are we going to do this <laughs> two now? Two tones. Well, I also hate two tones. Uh, hey, two don't tone... talk shit on two tones. Two tones are fine. Well, wait a second. Am I talking to a two tone? <laughs> You're talking to a two toner, my no friend. No way. You're talking to a two toner. You were brown to pink? I'm, oh, a, br- I'm a two toner. Well, okay. That just means he's going the distance <laughs> and it is, he got, his dick got what? so big that it changed. We've talked about this. Actually, I don't know if we have. We absolutely have because I remember you molested lining two toners before and oh, I remember yes. defending myself as a two toner. You know what? And I'm not doing this. This is not I'm I'm, I'm not post vacation me. Uh, this is not <laughs> no judgment zone. That's right. Oh, that's good. That's Reportedly, right. John Holmes had a 13-inch cock that was 4 inches in circumference. Oh my god. I mean, well, so they say between 10 and 15. Uh, well, 15 would make it, you know, one of the largest cocks in existence. Yeah. I would say it's probably around 11 and a half. Well, because the guy with the 19 inch penis basically said it is completely unusable. So yeah. he, because uh, oh. he's been stretching and tugging and stretching and pulling well, on it. Well, you know, I went to yeah. go see Puppetry. It's lost its integrity. <laughs> it really has. And that's unfortunate. It should run for office. Yeah. Uh, I went to go see Puppetry of the Penis. Oh, and yes. I don't think those guys can get hard. No, probably After not. all the things that they do and with their balls. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I, that's I mean, a special treat. I actually got me kind of pissed if they can. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is about that is that size means nothing without performance. Thank you. And when Holmes was at his peak, he could stay reasonably erect for hours. And more importantly, he could ejaculate on cue. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, was that bad? Was that not my cue? <laughs> no, it's like that scene in Boogie Nights. You know, it's like, I could do it again. I could do it again. And they were like, whoa. whoa. And I, to this day, honestly, because, you know, we'll get, we'll talk more about it, but I, I use that all the time on Pretty Face. It was always been like, I'm ready to fuck <laughs> oh, now. No. no, ready to fuck now has been our fucking let's go, let's do this thing for years. Oh, okay. yeah. Especially before live shows. I don't know how many times. I don't know if you guys know before a live show, it's like 745 and I'm sitting in the fucking in the green room going, I'm ready to fuck now. I'm ready to fuck now. Let's do mm-hmm. it now. I do recall that. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of which. There was a movie made about the Wonderland murders in particular back in 2003, starring Val Kilmer as John Holmes, which Hmm. is a gross miscasting, if you ask me, considering how homely John Holmes actually was. I think if modern America really saw what John Holmes looked like, you'd be like, huh? (laughs) You know, so like Val Kilmer helps. You also played Jim Morrison. Yeah. But I as can see Adam Sandler as John Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Little Nicky. Kind of, he could, no. he could pull it off. Yeah. The very voice, talented. The voice ruined that movie. I love Little Nicky. I like the movie, but the voice ruins it. It I redid just, it for I, me. It, I stand, it came back around. Yeah, for me. I love it. I'll try I just, it again. I, please do. But as you may already know, the far more interesting take on the John Holmes story is, of course, the P.T. Anderson masterpiece, Boogie Nights, which sits at number three on my all-time favorite movie list. I love that movie. Wow. Massive, massive fan of Boogie Nights. Such an uncomfortable film. I always think of a person who got into porn because they only watched the first half. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're right, though. Yes, because it ends quite brutally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, actually, it ends as a bit of, it's a re- there's a redemption arc. Well, it's like the first half of Blow. You're when you watch the first half of Blow, and you're like, man, being a drug dealer must be awesome. <laughs> First half of Wolf of Wall Street. Whoa, man, it's stealing stocks. It's awesome. 
Boogie Nights, however, is only loosely based on the John Holmes story because P.T. Anderson wrote the screenplay when he was in his mid-20s based solely on a memory he had of an article called The Devil and John Holmes that Anderson read when he was 17. I was watching a documentary with uh, called Wad with, and Paul Thomas Anderson was on it. And he's obviously high on cocaine. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, is that they, right? This is going to be, uh, just understand, this going to be through line. Uh, this <laughs> okay. entire thing. And, and kind a true of the, line indeed. The, yeah, truly. The coke line throughout this whole series is just about like, because <laughs> it's, no one should have this level of confidence because Paul Thomas Anderson in that documentary is convinced and continues the myth that John Holmes was a good actor. Oh. And he was not a good actor. No. He just didn't show up and immediately just go like, <laughs> they basically were so amazed he can even memorize lines. But uh, as a porn actor, the fact he could come on command, that makes him a great performer. porn actor. That's a great yeah. performer. Performer. Well, as I was telling Ben before the show, John Holmes, it, he was an a-, a good actor in the sense that he was always the best actor in the porno. Yes. yes. Yeah, that, that was the extent of his great acting, though. So. But even so, some of the characters in Boogie Nights were indeed based on real people in this story. Besides Dirk Diggler obviously being a stand-in for John Holmes, mm. the character masterfully played by Alfred Molina is heavily based on the man who allegedly ordered the Wonderland murders, Eddie Nash. Yeah, mm. and the, the scenes in the pornos in Boogie Nights are basically completely lifted mm-hmm. from Johnny Wad movies. It's food? It's not good. It's the best probably the best in San Francisco. <laughs> well, you got to be careful. I know some people in the adult business and you can't eat peanuts before an anal scene for 24 hours. Otherwise, you get snicker barred. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I feel, And again, that's all about performance. Mm-hmm. Indeed. But as far as what today's story is going to be, this is a tale of a coward with a big dick, a taste for underage girls, and a legendary coke habit whose actions led to a mass murder that was, at the time, only comparable to the Sharon Tate crime scene Mm. in terms of its brutality. Wow. It also, however, is partly the story of how the adult film industry grew from illegal 8mm loops sold out of the trunks of cars outside of dirty magazine stores to vague mainstream acceptance with movies like Deep Throat, Debbie Does Dallas, and... The Devil and Miss Jones. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I'm shooting a sex voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your sex oh. voice. Oh, oh, yeah. mama. Also, remember when we covered the Iceman, Richard Kuklinski, he, he, yeah. the, all of these guys, this is all the, the land of the mafia. Yeah. The mafia was selling a lot of this shit. It was like very, very illegal and it made it really, really dangerous. And then the money kind of like, and the legality kind of made it dangerous all over again. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, as far as sources go today, we've got mostly reliable narratives like The Devil and John Holmes by Mike Seeger, the same one that inspired Boogie Nights. But one source in particular that we're leaning on for the John Holmes side of the story is, to say the least, highly suspect. One of my favorite favorite type of sources. That source is John Holmes' self-serving autobiography, Porn King. I'm. I feel like it sounds like when Mr. Garrison on South Park was writing erotica. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I feel like there's going to be a lot of cock talk. Well, everything is just all how cool John Holmes thinks he is. Yeah, yeah. It gives us a glimpse into how Holmes saw himself, his story on how the Wonderland murders went down, and of course, some incredibly disgusting quotes. Okay. For an example. Here's how John Holmes described the oral sex skills of a porn actress named Renee Bond. She sucks cock like a starving orphan with her first candy cane. 
Oh you ever seen that? No. It's a mess. <laughs> I don't. Also, give yeah. the orphan Hansel a Christmas. <laughs> give the orphan a hamburger. There's no uh, nutrition in a candy cane. Yeah, the second part of that line is, and when she was done with you, you were nothing but a pile of goo. Shit. <laughs> Have you ever seen a candy cane at the end? It becomes sharp. Cut your tongue. Oh, my goodness gracious. Bringing Christmas into it. Renee and Holmes, by the way, appear together in a movie called Phantasm about a professor exploring common female sexual fantasies. It was a bunch of segments, and the segment that John Holmes and Renee Bond were in was simply titled Fruit Salad. Already romance. (laughs) Did the the tall man show up at all? Was there a portal into another realm? No, not at all. Um, I think there was, however, a demon scene. Oh, there might have been a demon scene. I didn't see. I am not the hugest fan of the quote-unquote golden age of pornography. Some of it, it's just not, it's not my vibe. It I gets, do like the bush I, hair. I watched a lot of it. I need to. I watched a lot of it for this. And again, research. I had a warn. I told Rob right before the show. I, I told everybody that was in the studio. I was like, if you hear active pornography <laughs> coming out of this room, it is research. My door is open. I have my hands are up. All right. They all learned. There was one segment called Blood Orgy. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but then there was another segment called, yeah, after school. That's, Ugh. yeah. Well, maybe it was, maybe it was grad school. <laughs> 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 after master's uh, class. Yeah. Mother's darling. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but on the other hand, is it that different from what I, we've got on the nope, front page of Pornhub today? No, Please stop with the, with the bratty families. We know. We <laughs> all know. What about neighbors gone fucking? Anything else? Uh, Grocers. Grocer. <laughs> oh, you're banging, you're banging the person who stocks the shelves. Hey, bitch. You want tea pants, sweet potatoes? <laughs> Boom. Get Boom. into the sex. Done. Grocer porn. But long before Holmes was the biggest male actor in porn, he was a poor old country boy born in Columbus, Ohio oh. in 1944. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. Supposedly, John was born with what he repeatedly called his unusual member. That's his way of referring <laughs> to his... I mean, you can only say big cock so many times. Sure, yeah. yeah. So he had to come up with creative ways. I, I don't mind to refer that, to yeah. it. According to legend, the midwife explained upon John Holmes's birth that, quote, This baby has three legs and two feet. Ma'am, can you just deliver the goddamn baby and stop <laughs> commenting on his fucking dick? He's blue as hell. Oh, my. <laughs> my God. I don't so, need the commentary, ma'am. This baby burnt? corpse is the biggest cock I've ever seen. Okay. Now, as far as his family life went, Holmes' birth father was an absent alcoholic who would come home at night drunk only to fall over his kid's bed in mid-vomit. Okay. Aww. As a consequence, Holmes stayed sober until he was well into his pornography career and discovered the seductive powers of cocaine. Hey, man, hey, Wait. man, what's going on, man? We got to get something to eat, man. That's incredible. So he didn't start, everyone was like, gateway drugs, you start with alcohol, and go to weed, then maybe cocaine. But he just started with coke. He started with weed. Yeah, and he then had weed. moved on to cocaine. He was Cali sober for the most part, and then cocaine. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Well, soon, Holmes's alcoholic father was gone, but that guy was replaced with a severely bipolar World War II veteran named Harold, who had a hard time even physically moving when he was depressed and, of course, got highly violent when he was manic. And also, you do not want to be a bipolar soldier because it's like, I'm a Nazi. I'm an American. I'm a Nazi. I'm an American. (laughs) It's very funny, though, in the sadness of it, because they were all talking about like, you know. We got to just love it when Pappy was depressed because he'd stop hitting us. Yeah. And then he'd be sleeping. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, Pappy, you're feeling better. Ow! Ow, ow! 
house. Yeah. It's literally my grandmother. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no, he said that uh, John, the, the grandfather would kick John in the spine repeatedly saying like, John, John, your name's John, right? Your name's John, right? Oh, While he's yeah. kicking him in the back. That's horrible. As an example of how unstable Harold was, when one day work got to be too much when he was depressed, he jammed his hand into a harvester machine yes. to remove himself from the workforce. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fucking American as hell. <laughs> just, just. Tell him he got a cold. <laughs> he lost a thumb and three fingers. And afterwards, <laughs> he supposedly told his wife, quote, I'll never have to work again, Mary, unless they need me in the pinky police. <laughs> oh, mama. That is one stinky pinky. Hey, hey, I promise you I won't cut off another finger. That sounds like a horrible way to get out of a job. It is. I didn't imagine him to be saying that in such a jovial voice. Hey, I never have to work again. He must be thrilled. No. It's no. office space. No, it's I, the guy who got hit by the car who never has to work again. It was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> no, I imagine him just as, like in this very manic moment. Like, I'll never have to work again, Mary. Oh yeah, of course. Like, yeah, think, completely like, insane. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're correct. His favorite artist, <laughs> Billy Joe Shaver. Ooh. Now, all these traumatic childhood memories are outlined in great detail in Holmes's autobiography, but peppered throughout are graphic descriptions of Holmes proudly detailing his childhood sex life, oh. which. If we're being honest, is childhood almost, sex life. I don't know if it's. Yeah, I don't know. I is don't, that the term? There's only that's the only way to describe it. Yeah, it's childhood I guess sex so. life. And if we're being honest, it's almost exactly how Anthony Kiedis's autobiography starts out as well. Yeah, God. wait. There's something about because again, Anthony Kiedis also lost. Didn't he lose his virginity at like eight? 10 uh, he, years old. He has like 11, 10 or 12 or something like that. But yeah. something about like, then okay. you see Anthony Keaton's now fine. Nah. He, was ra- he was raped, essentially. You yeah. know what I mean? He was molested. But then somebody oh. else who like, but it shows how like talent can really take you in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> well, Holmes claimed to have lost his virginity to his babysitter at the age of eight. But most likely, John's loss of innocence came at the hands of a 36-year-old neighbor who sexually abused John at the age of 12 or so when they lived in the Columbus Project. And as was the case up until literally 2005, everyone applauded that this was funny in this book. In this book that was written, I was being like, I was always a fucking player. Yeah. I oh everybody always fucking wanted me. And it's this it's this yeah. thing where obviously now we know what that called. That's internalized abuse. That's like a thing that's inside of you that you got molested and now you're you you're trying to figure it out in your own fucking head how it makes sense for you. But you know, at the time people were high fiving them. Yeah. Yep. Right. Okay. See, John Holmes, like many in the adult film industry, escaped a life of pain and abuse into the world of sex, finding solace, pleasure, and closeness in the act to contrast repeated beatings from a mentally ill six-fingered stepfather. Yeah! <laughs> I'm employed like... by these six fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Hank Hill's dad. <laughs> so, in 1960, when John was 16 years old, he joined the army and served his time in Germany. There, he met a guy named Tony from New York. No way! No. <laughs> Who would eventually introduce John to the world of sex work. You ever heard that? That's why all... You ever heard that old joke? That's why all Italians are named Tony? Why? Why? Because they were coming over from Ellis Island. They all had two New York on a shirt. <laughs> that's a real T zero NY. That's that's good stuff. Tony, that's good stuff. Hey man, that's <laughs> real good stuff. It's real good. Some real good Queens humor. Hey, I love that. This Queens is what humor. I provide. Yeah. You, I have a list of big dick jokes <laughs> made in a lab. Now, Tony didn't know about John's unusual member until they were out of the army because John wasn't the type of dude who would flop it out at a moment's notice. Yeah. He, was actually, he had class. He had class. Okay. He was actually somewhat shy about it. 
It was only when John left the army, moved to New York with Tony, and started dating girls in Brooklyn that were got back around to Tony about John's appendage. You, and who's you know, not a pride who's ashamed is Roberto. I'm just looking back at Roberto. <laughs> Roberto I'm looking at that look at his face. 19 entries. He, he is literally holding yeah. it like he I'm is bringing need- a sub to a christening. <laughs> I am going to need to see it, though. i got to see it. Also, they wow. call him uh, yes. they call Italians Tony because when they were coming over here, uh, they had they t-shirts that said to New York. New York. That's joke thievery. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as it turned out, Tony was already working as a gigolo. So he took John under his wing and both of them started just fucking railing rich old ladies in Manhattan. Wow. Yep. Supposedly, John cleaned up as a gigolo, claiming that he was soon awash in furnished apartments, diamond-studded jewelry, a Mercedes Benz, and more cash than he could possibly spend. That was rich, you see? Yeah. I mean, $150 per ball. That's a lot back then. <laughs> One of his rich clients were so enamored with him, he said, that her lawyers paid John $50,000 to stop railing her and just go away. That is big cock energy. Oh, yeah. Now, from what John claimed, he quite suddenly and for seemingly no reason wanted to give California a shot. But before he left, he gave all his gigolo money to a girl he grew up with named Mary Kay, who seemed to kind of be the Jenny to John's Forrest Gump. Yeah, Forrest Pump. Yeah. (laughs) It is interesting because, again, it's from his perspective. Or Forrest Hump. Yeah, thank you. Forrest Hump, Forrest Forrest Glump, Forrest Clumps of Cum on your tits. Forrest Dump is, again... German. Yes. Now, this, he had to go to California. In my mind, what do we know about John Holmes? Is that to, what are his things that he's truly best known for? Is having a huge cock yes. and being an unrepentant, maybe murderer slash snitch, right? Huh. So he's like a guy that was an entirely unreliable, bad person. Yeah. And I imagine that at some point, while he was being the so called super fantastic gigolo that everyone was addicted to, he might have made some bad decisions mm. somewhere into that temper that might have forced him to leave town. Okay. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yes. The way John figured it, he could just make all that money back once he got to California because he was just that goddamn good. That dick ain't going anywhere. I can make my balls fart. <laughs> <laughs> and so he hitchhiked a, to California. What would that call? A wolf? <laughs> um, a ball queef? And so he hitchhiked to California and landed on the steps of the older woman he'd lost his virginity to because apparently they'd kept in touch. Yeah, okay. Now, at first, John went legit. He got a job as an ambulance driver. Possibly through this job, he met his soon-to-be wife, Sharon, who was a nurse at USC County General. Okay. Now, all Sharon knew about John's past was that he was a reasonably charming country boy who was just trying to make it in the big city. And actually, his being an ambulance driver will factor in later on into his trial. Yeah. Because on one side, he said all of this stuff about how when I was an ambulance driver, I saw enough gore the rest of my life. There is no way huh. I would have ever been involved in these murders. Yeah. And then later on, he would just be like, he was black, but like, whatever. You know, like, yeah. it's all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Well, John's soon-to-be wife, Sharon, had no idea that just a few months earlier, John had been a gigolo in New York City. Likewise, she also had no knowledge of John's unusual appendage until the night of their marriage, Jesus which happened Christ. just five months after they met. I mean, uh, hey, there's worse things that could happen. Can yeah. you imagine being with me for like a couple of years and that night I'm like, honey. I'm a comedian for the very first time. <laughs> oh, that's like, that's not a nine inch. That's not an that's eleven mine. inch dick. That's yeah, the that's, only thing I have. That's a whole other thing. Well, reportedly, when John's talent was unfurled in their wedding chamber, Sharon was said to have muttered, "Oh, 
deal. <laughs> what, is she fucking British? No. <laughs> no. My world. I can't, I can't imagine she was that upset. No. But who knows? Oh, dear. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of women don't like a penis that big. Like, you know what it is about it truly? If you're not expecting it, because there's difference, right? Eight, nine incher. Well, you know, let's yeah. really get a nitty gritty. I, yeah, that's I getting the nitty gritty. Eight, nine incher. You're you're like, wow, great. Right? I'm certain. I'm sure. Right? You're like, who knows? Ooh, fantastic. Yeah, eight, nine incher. Absolutely. I would imagine like women say like, I get what you're saying. There's but a, like 13 inches. It's insane. That's, it's just like, there's it's, a lid for every pot because sometimes people have small vagines <laughs> yes. and they don't mind a small peen. But sometimes women have larger vagines and like a big old peen. But this woman didn't know what her vagine capacity was. Well, no, she will. <laughs> know, that's maximum capacity. That yeah. is like that's like you're just jumping. It was like you know when I lied to that movie set about how I could ride like a scooter. Oh, right? Like what right. if instead of them showing up with a scooter, oh, they showed my. up with a Harley? <laughs> I'd go, oh dear. <laughs> oh, you got no. to, didn't you get to kiss Sharon Stone? I did. Yes, it's incredible. Yes, yeah. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. 
Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. And when it comes to that massive penis we've been talking about so much. <laughs> it is unavoidable. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's what he's, it's the only reason why we're talking about this man. True. If he was just involved in a drug-related murder and he was just some dude, we wouldn't know who he is. Yeah. But sure. because he's John Holmes, he's got the big dick and we got to talk about hey, it. There hey, you go. hey, you know, again, we're not leaving anything on the floor here. We're really, Other we do everything we can. Mm-hmm. Tip of his penis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he himself actually included a bit of an instruction manual in his autobiography for all you big dickers out there. Yeah, come on, you long dongers. Yeah. We know that a lot of people don't have a heck of a lot of, like, you know, consideration for you because you suck. But this is important for you to know. It is important for you to know. Henry will now read uh, the instructions yep. for big dickers. I developed my technique as a teenager because of my size. It was during those years that, because of my size, <laughs> I had to go slower and to spend more time on foreplay than other guys did. Oh. If I just jumped in the saddle, I caused a woman pain. So I learned to take my time with extended foreplays to make her more receptive to me. My rule of thumb became when a woman pulls me to her, she was sufficiently lubricated to receive me. I learned, too, that while a flat, muscular stomach may appeal to a woman visually. A slight bit of a stomach is more exciting in bed. It's because even the slightest paunch adds friction and stimulation to the pubic area. Therefore, the more padding around a man's stomach, the more he will stimulate his partner. <laughs> Which is actually from All my right. <laughs> Yeah, I love I that. I the very end. Yeah, very this, uh, the, punch, the punch is better for uh, sex. I've been saying it for years. Dad bods are better at it because with a hubba-boom. Don Rickles. Here you come. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that's that's actually quite sweet. So he said, I want to. So he did like it seems I'm just talking right now as from what I'm learning. It seems as if he did like to pleasure. He. Yeah. Which which is good. Yeah. Right. He created a character where John. This is basically imagine John Holmes. Has once we get to the Johnny Wad part of this, sure. he is now a walking, living version of Johnny Wad. And in Johnny Wad world, his the whole thing is that yes, he has a huge dick, but he's like he treats women like equals. Because remember, this time we'll get more into the history yeah. of pornography, but it's all like more like yeah, I'm with the women's lib movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, I don't. I'm not some machismo guy. I'm the sensitive guy. It, like mixed nice. in with all of the stuff. Yeah. Now, unbeknownst to his new wife, Sharon, John Holmes was slowly 
inching his way, so to speak. <laughs> Don't wink at me when you say that, please. <laughs> into the world of hardcore pornography. See, in those days, the late 60s, pornography was not yet an industry in America and was, in fact, still highly illegal. Making pornography could actually get a producer charged with pimping because technically that producer was facilitating the act of sex between two people in which money was exchanged. Okay. But John's introduction into the industry actually seems, from the stories I've heard, to be a fairly common way to get noticed. One night in 1968, John was gambling at a poker parlor when, in the bathroom, <laughs> a photographer at the next urinal peeked down at John's business end and had a bit of a wowie wow moment. I don't ever want to meet a photographer in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, can you imagine, though, maybe that, remember the guy who kept trying to show me his penis? Or like in the, when I was in that, oh, yeah. that, that slippery noodle. Yeah. Can you help me out? Yeah. What if I looked over and it was a contract? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to make, yeah, we're bringing the 12 dwarves to the erotic movie. Oh, <laughs> See, nice. we want you to play Dopey. Oh, very cool. There's been multiple porno uh, with so Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Mm. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Yeah, Quite a few of them. It's yeah. crazy, those, those scenes there. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Well, the photographer soon introduced John to the worlds of nude modeling and nude dancing at male strip clubs. But it was a friend named Linda who brought John into the world of film by asking him if he wanted to make a quick hundred bucks. Okay. See, Linda had met a guy named Harry at a party. Harry made so-called dirty movies for frat houses and stag parties. And when Linda asked John if he was interested in participating, he enthusiastically said yes. Mm-hmm. Now, Harry was your typical Hollywood scuzzball who bartended as his main gig, but he supplemented his income by selling stag films out of the trunk of his car in dark alleyways. And indeed, once Harry showed up to Linda's apartment with an 8mm camera and John pulled out his monster... Harry knew he'd struck gold. Wowie, wow. wowie, wow. <laughs> I think we're going to need a bigger lens. Now, as I said, pornography films were highly illegal at this point in American history. So Harry covered up the windows in Linda's apartment with foil to hide the set lights from any vice cop who happened to be driving by. Yeah. This is actually serious business. Everyone in that room could have gotten up to 10 years in jail wow. for making a porno. And That's they were crazy. aggressively going after it as yes. well. Yes. That's stupid. That, however, didn't happen to John, at least not this time. Everything in that first scene with John and Linda went off without a hitch, and Harry developed and cut that footage into something called a loop. Loops were short, black-and-white scenes of quick sex with no story, sound, or dialogue. It's just two people in a room fucking. It's always well, it's whatever's just, playing in the back of John Wayne Gacy's house. <laughs> right? I just really wish that I understood why they were having sex with each other, and what do they like each other? Do My they not? questions alone about the plot are bumping me out of this. <laughs> Who is this man? Why, why is he having there? sex with that bumblebee? <laughs> These are actually the first porno films made available to the American public. And since they were illegal, they had to be sold out of the trunks of cars that were parked near magazine stands, bars, and adult bookstores. I guarantee you somebody bought one out of a glove box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure at some point. Yeah, but it's that guy like, sitting there going, like, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. 
Give me Man, a, I'd give just me. be so upset if it was just porno and like nothing like you can get you high on. But I guess you, I don't know. It's well, different times. Yes, it was very different times. I don't. I, I I actually don't know. I guess it's like we were still a Puritan country, and we haven't been non that Puritan for that long. Exactly. Alternatively, you could also sometimes watch these loops in curtain booths inside adult bookstores. Well, we remember the store we used to get our bootleg DVDs from on oh, yeah. Grand Avenue. Oh, they yeah. still had the old Spank booths. Very. Interesting odor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, uh, he also know, had a fish tank in there. Remember? This is back when real estate was important. <laughs> yeah, it's just like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah. The booth was actually the easiest option because if you bought a loop from a guy like Harry, you needed a film projector to actually watch them. Which you know, these viewings most often occurred anywhere large groups of men congregated in man-only gatherings. I'm glad. I, I see. I'm just glad I never did a big group jerk-off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did enjoy playing some sports ball in, in wrestling, but we never... Some, But I know some guys who bonded boys over unique... Boys, boys are boys. gross. I don't, I don't like know them. about that. I, I do like boys. I think Ugh. they're good people. Ugh, I think boys are bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a unique way to find friendships. It yeah. is, but... By some estimates, John Holmes made somewhere around a thousand of these loops that got shown at frat houses, bachelor parties, VFW halls, any place where a bunch of guys would get super hard sitting close to one another in rows of uncomfortable chairs, hooping and hollering at the content on the screen. It's really the VFW halls because you can just see the guy with his cigars. That reminds me of WWT. I think I met a girl like that in WWT. Dude, at this point, it's like this reminds me of five years ago in WWT. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Holy fucking shit. Last year in Korea. Yeah, you remember the goddamn sands of Ewa? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get hard, Dan. No. I'm trying to have sex with myself here, Dan. I don't want to think about goddamn Iwo Jima. No, the, the the decrepit guy at this one is like, I remember Gettysburg. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, he must been like, this is magic. Seriously. This is incredible. When I had to masturbate back in the day, I had to get my daughter. Well, it's a no, Yeah, let's, let's nip that one in the bud. Now, considering how accepted and ubiquitous porn is in today's society, it's hard to imagine a time when these movies were highly illegal. And that's not even to mention how strict movie standards were in general for decades. I'm just talking about like regular theatrical releases. For context, movies were not protected under the umbrella of free speech until 1952. And the film industry had been somewhat self-policing themselves since 1934 under something called the Hayes Code. That was just to keep legislation out of the business. Comic oh. books had the same thing, the Comics Code Authority. Gotcha. I believe they weren't even allowed to picture like man and wife in the same bed. No. It was like it went that far, right? It was it's like crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, even showing a pregnant woman was a little like that was on the edge. Hey, and that's yeah, I could have stuck there. around yeah, to be yeah, honest. I'm still I, there, yeah. I don't ever understand <laughs> that. <laughs> that's fine. But, but, Sorry. Get that goddamn pregnant woman off the screen. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. You get it's that just, fucking pregnant woman out of this movie. This is Oppenheimer. Yeah, well, All right, I am here. Yeah, I'm yeah. here to discuss serious matters. Absolutely. But since humans are extraordinarily horny creatures, filmmakers have been getting around the strict self-imposed rules for decades by presenting movies with explicit content as so-called educational films. And in many ways they are. Also, I think I suffered low T. What do you mean? Not that horny. Good for you. I'm gripped. Great. 
I'm gripped with it. It's my yeah. fucking. It's that's every why bit of me. you don't have as much hair on the top because you have high T. Well, I got extra hair on the top because I have low T. Hmm. Yeah, well, much like Jesus fucking Christ himself. <laughs> I, you know, I think about him a lot when I look at you. <laughs> Last time I did a checkup, I had extraordinarily high tea. Okay. Yeah, the, the doctor told me that it's almost dangerously high. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you could test for yeah. it. He said if it was any higher, I'd have to take medication. Yeah, because what, what? Happened, What they do is, first of all, they you tr- you they show you ripping your shirt off. Right? Yeah. You, have to go, you have to rip your shirt off and see if you can do it. Yeah. And, then and I did they, it. Yeah, I did yeah, yeah. It. And then they, they cover you in bronzer. Yeah. And then they kind of see, like, how does this move go? You have to clinch it. Yeah. yeah, the Mr. Universe pose. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I'm not like, you know, super muscular, but, you know, I got a Spider-Man body going. Of course and you it was do. good enough. Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. similar to John Holmes. All right. Actually, it is very similar to John Holmes. And that's the the tragedy that I had with John Holmes when I was a young boy. I do love this story. It breaks my heart, though. Is that uh, me and my buddies stole a porno tape called The King of Triple X that was Great. a best of of Him. John Holmes. Tough, yeah. uh, and I was about 12, 13, somewhere on there. Mm. Had no context for what penises looked like other than my own. Sure. Good. And I, Actually, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and I thought that John Holmes's penis size was a regular size penis yeah. for a man to Wowie, have. Wowie. Wow. That's pure tragedy. So, yeah. yeah. So I was extraordinarily insecure about my penis size uh, for a very, very long I had time. A, uh, I had a poster of Reggie White. And I was like, that's going to be, that's uh, that's an average football player there. And then I went out there and I sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like yeah. that. Yeah. And then that uh, trauma was only further uh, yeah. extended uh, when uh, a girl that I was dating in high school uh, spread a rumor that I had an extraordinarily small penis. Oh, and mm. uh, some of the uh, older boys started calling me Dirk Diggler. Mm. Um, and, and ironic. And an ironic. Sort of an embracing. Well, they, they, yeah. well, well, they well you said, grew well, up in the dirt land, so it'd be Dirt Diggler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, And they said, it was like, yeah, you know, we heard you. This girl said you had a big one, so we're going to call you Dirk Diggler. And mm. so they called me Dirk Diggler. Even and then more. I, and then I found out years later... You know, because uh, I found you out years later. The time, you're like, oh, wow, let's go. These guys like me. Yeah, yeah. These, yeah, yeah this is really fun. And I found yeah. out years later that they've been mocking me uh, for, for years yeah. and years and years. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't particularly enjoy those people. I went back to Stephen's point. I was revisited when I drove by my high school of all the unbelievable torture yeah, yeah, that yeah. took place mm-hmm. in that building. But also some good times, too. People loved me in Little Shop of Horror. <laughs> <laughs> Mushnik and son. Sounds great. Hey, that's one of the characters you can still do. Yeah, words with the ring of fate. Yeah, you know, I wasn't bad as the lead in Picnic. I could see that. Yeah. I was in a play called Babes in Arms. Interesting. Yeah, I only got the role because my friend Paul broke his leg. Hey, man, it's called show business. Indeed. Mm -hmm. One of the most infamous. We're going back to the world. Of educational films here. We're going back to the world of let's <laughs> see how let's see how much income we can put in here without right. getting into trouble. Great. One of the most infamous was a so-called sex hygiene film called Mom and Dad. Cool. John Waters actually lists this as his favorite sex hygiene <laughs> film. Now the plot of Mom and Dad is just set up for the action at the end. It involves a woman who is impregnated by a sweet-talking pilot who dies in a plane crash, and therefore the girl is left to deal with the pregnancy on her own. Okay. She can't turn to her mother. Her mother's very judgmental. Sure. <laughs> so she, a lot of plot. A lot yeah. of plot. Yeah. 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 So she seeks the advice of her teacher. And as it just so happened, her teacher <laughs> had just been fired from another job 
for teaching sex education. Okay, oh, my. Okay, I'm sorry. One and one is starting to become four. Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. The movie then switches. Imagine being surprised when they start having sex. Ah, You're like, wait, whoa. what? I never saw that coming. No, this is disgusting. No, no, they don't have sex. Okay. No, okay. no, no, no. It's far worse than that, actually. Oh, great. The movie then switches to its so-called educational portion. It's like it's a lot like uh, Glenn or Glenda, the Ed yeah, Wood sure. movie. Have you ever seen it? Yes, of course. Yeah, Love it. Th- yeah, thinly veiled autobiographical tale of Ed Wood telling his girlfriend that he likes to dress as a woman. And then when she hands the Angora sweater to him at the end, it very jarringly cuts to a very graphic sex change operation footage. Ah, educational. 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 Yes. I remember that the old the old uh, TLC, the what? learning channel. Mm-hmm. It used Dude, to just be surgeries. Remember Rob that? and I were talking about this right before the show. There's the fucking guy who shows there's educational videos on YouTube of him washing his own asshole. And then you remember when <laughs> you I showed show him, that. I showed the guy. videos of the guy trying to extend his foreskin yeah. back out. That's all just on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. fine as long as it's documentary. Okay. Well, in the case of mom and dad, when they switched to the educational portion, they showed graphic images of female genitalia and two live births. That was their way to show <laughs> vagina. <I hate laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, you know, I, that's like shit. It's I, I want to see the muck bang. I don't want to see the muck shit. Yeah, yeah. it's like, you yeah, know? I want to go to see a fireworks show, and yeah. then they show you the Hindenburg crash. <laughs> <laughs> now, you think this might be somewhat of a niche film, like one of those, they, like kind of a, a little quirk of movie history, something that not a lot of people saw. Yeah. Mom and Dad was the third highest grossing movie of the 1940s. Yeah, because no one else got to just see open vagina. Yeah. Compared, if you compared it to wow. a movie today, as far as like ticket sales and, you know, money made and all that, it made as much money as the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> the fuck out of Seriously? Oh, my goodness. Adjusting Man. for inflation, of course. Of course. And the retconning. Uh, the retconning on the internet alone is just unbelievable. Yeah. I remember that they, they, the, they took all the scalpels out and replaced them with walkie-talkies. Yeah, and oh, you're just like, what yeah. is this film? Well, from there, guys like the producer of Mom and Dad, this wonderful character named Kroger Bab. Yeah. He circumvented <laughs> censors even more by showing, quote-unquote, documentaries about foreign cultures who just happened to be topless all of the time. Okay. That was our whole childhood. Love Remember it. natural? We had national, national geographic. Of yeah. course. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's uh, shaped my sexuality to this day. Yeah. Funny side note, Kroger Bab's company was called Hallmark Productions. Yes. <laughs> yes. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, Kroger Bab, he's a really interesting guy. He's like in the film world, he's sort of a William Castle type. Yeah. Where his whole thing was promotion, where he would start a fake outrage campaign in advance of mom and dad and it's like write perfect. all these letters to newspapers saying, like, I can't believe this movie is going to be shown. You know, he was true like, American. Yeah, these, are the, the, these are the guys that led us to where we are today in many ways, like how entertainment is rolled out and what they do. It's it's all all baked into the mm-hmm. spine of show business. This okay. movie, the movie is too dangerous to see. The yeah. movie no one wants you to watch. Yeah, it just came out that there's been like this PR company paying critics uh, for good, like Rotten Tomatoes for like good film reviews. It's been going on for like five oh, years now. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I did send Henry a clip of Roger Ebert surprisingly loving Nutty Professor 2. <laughs> Again, I he think, loved it. I think it might have been the chemo talking, but he was honestly <laughs> he, really nice. It was the nicest review he's ever given. <laughs> oh, yeah, this country, it's just flim flam men all the way down. You can tell me that again. But once the sex hygiene films opened the door, filmmakers moved on to another genre that was a bit closer to pornography, but not quite there. These movies, known as nudie 
cuties in the industry. <laughs> were all when it comes to porn, all of these words are gross. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, these were all movies that were set in nudist camps. Okay. Somehow they got around. If, like, if it's a nudist camp, it's fine. It's Great. education. These included such classics as Nude on the Moon, which asked the question, what if there were nudist camps? On the moon. Honestly, for men and women, that that gravity, Whoa. tits are tight, dicks are nice. Whoa. I would love that. Everyone's tighter, right? Yeah. I got dust in my cooch. Well, that would that's space dust. That's space dust. I watched part of it, and I would compare it to the Roger Corman softcore classic Dinosaur Island. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that, where two astronauts mm-hmm. fly to the moon and find that the moon is just like Southern California, Incredible. Oh, incredibly it enough, probably is. And there's well, a nudist camp, and then there's and then there's the women, and it's all run by. There's only women in the nudist camp, and they oh. they wear their spacesuits the whole time, and it's this it's a it's a fun romp. It's just a it romp. does sound fun. I was reading an article. They say there's aliens on Venus. Interesting. Well, yeah, there there's some ideas. I, I we'll save it. We'll save. There's it. some of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll expand on that later. Well, these nudie cutie films led to the acceptance of at least bare breasts appearing on the screen. Because as one LAPD vice cop put it, as long as there ain't no pubic hair, there ain't no problem. Well, that he wouldn't <laughs> mind porn today. <laughs> but after Denmark legalized pornography in 1969, it was only a matter of time before the rest of the world followed, America included. Okay. That same year, the Supreme Court decided that any adult had the right to possess pornographic material. Making it, on the other hand, was still dicey legally. It's very interesting because it's like what they with all these states are decriminalizing weed, where yeah. you can like you can have it in your hand and you can smoke it, but you can't sell it or buy it. So it's like, where did you? It's where did it come from? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the difficulty thing of how do you get an acting role without an acting role? You need an acting role to get an acting. I role. remember when you were tra- everybody and our yep. and their brothers and sisters when we were coming up were like trying to be bartenders. Yeah, and then you try you'd go in and they're like, "Well, do you have any bartending experience?" And you're like. This would be that. Now, hear me out, man. I've been in multiple bars. <laughs> Have you ever bartended? I, I might I, as well. I've, I've crawled behind many a bar. That's I got to thank my boy BB, at BBC's. Ooh, speaking of pornography, um, <laughs> he I was like, because I was just a regular there when I was in Milwaukee, and I was like, you're going to get a phone call from a bunch of bars. Tell them I bartended there for years. And he did. But then they found out I was just an alcoholic. Yeah, who went there. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. Is. yeah uh, I actually do have a that, there's a reason why they don't hire you, because I was hired at a place in the Lower East Side called Lotus Lounge. Yeah, and it turns bad. out oh. if you have no experience bartending and someone asks for a margarita and you don't know how to make it or say a martini oh, or buddy, any I know. other just, drink, just any mixed God. drink at all. And you don't make it well. People get really mad. Dude, I got fucking screamed at. I was working at this. I think it was like O'Hanlon's or something in the Upper West Side. And they're like. You're just taking too much time. And I was just like, beer or whiskey? What do you, do you want beer or do you want whiskey? Yeah. That's what that's what's happening now. Just you, we were talking about this stream. You as a server, Marcus, <laughs> either one of them, but you as a, you as a server at that time period with the long hair. I could like, see Marcus. Yeah, fucking, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's what you want, man. 2007, I think, bro. I think you would be a great bartender. I was a great bartender. I was a bad, dr- I was a bad drink mixer. I was a wonderful a bartender. bartender. That is a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's also about the conversation. I was. Shortly after Andy Warhol took advantage of the Supreme Court ruling by releasing an art film simply titled Fuck, which was the first American movie to show (laughs) which was the first American movie to show explicit sex on screen. This was in contrast to Warhol's previous erotic film, Blowjob, which only showed the face (laughs) of a guy receiving the titular action. Oh, that's the worst porno I've ever heard of. Yeah, it was pretty, it's 
It's fun to watch, though. Yeah, but just you're not spunking into it. No, yeah. you're not spunking into it. Going, <laughs> oh, my. I don't want to see that at all. <laughs> I never want to. Oh, God. There's a mirror in our room, and every once in a while, if you do catch it, oh. and it's just like a, uh, the dead-eyed shark no. face that you have. And it's just a... <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was like, oh, you should, I should move my face. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Don't overthink <laughs> yeah. it. But three years after fuck, America became fascinated with a hardcore porn called Deep Throat. Simply because, unlike most porn at the time, including Warhol's art piece, Deep Throat had a plot. Ridiculous as it was, what with the clitoris in the throat and such. I, you know, sometimes God got it wrong. How great would that be if we all had clits in our throats and every time you eat, you also come? Oh, God, I don't even know. I don't need it that directly connected. No. Well, because then it would become old hat. Yeah, if it get happened, bored no. if it was three times a day. Uh, that's true. Remember the guy who uncontrollably orgasmed that's again true. and again and then yeah. he was orgasming at his father's funeral? He was sad. He didn't like it. He's like, I don't want to come right now. But no matter how silly the plot was, Deep Throat brought pornography to the mainstream. And that place was only solidified when cultural icons like Johnny Carson started making jokes about Deep Throat on The Tonight Show. Hmm. And as it just so happened, when pornography was legalized and its existence was slowly but surely being accepted by mainstream society, John Holmes was in the perfect place and the perfect time to become the biggest male porn star of what came to be known as the golden age of pornography. I'd call it a, a light brown. <laughs> yeah, kind of a creamy age. Brown, well, bronze age. Well, they call it the golden age of pornography because it actually like shows it in Boogie Nights in like two scenes. Like there's yeah. that that scene with Ricky Jay uh, where he's watching Burt Reynolds' character like uh, edit, you know, the first movie, you yeah. know, that first where he looks at him and goes, "It's a real film, Jack." Yeah. Yes. Then, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Philip and, Seymour Hoffman also. Man, yeah. what a character. And then, you know, about an hour later into the movie, after Dirk Diggler has left the scene where the girl goes, is he going to fuck me in the ass? And he's like, do you want him to fuck you in the ass? Aww. And he goes, uh, it would be nice. And he goes, fine, fuck her in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, oh, it just it's becomes yeah. too that passe. Is, those are the back. Those are the, the bookends. Yes, yeah. it is. Now, right around the time that porn was becoming legal, John showed up at a sort of open-air mall with office buildings on Sunset Boulevard called the Crossroads of the World. If you look it up, it's famous. Yeah. The Crossroads have been built in 1936 by a woman named Ella Crawford, who actually had a true crime story all her own. And Los Angeles is fucked, It's man. just in L.A. Every t- everywhere you turn, there is like a fucking incredible true crime story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ella had been married to a prohibition crime boss named Charles Crawford, who operated bordellos and casinos in Los Angeles until 1931. Crawford's reign ended that year when he was killed in his office, supposedly in self-defense, by a former district attorney named Dave Clark. Dang. Yeah. Acquitted of the murder. Yeah, man. If if you're your own district attorney. (laughs) Wow. Ella Crawford, of course, inherited all of her husband's ill-gotten gains and used them to build crossroads of the world on the very spot where her husband had been murdered. Holy fucking shit. So it's haunted. God, that puts so met that puts in such context. I went to many auditions there. I've been to many. Is that ones. right? Yeah, because they do uh, HBO. Good places had uh, offices out of there. Yeah, a lot and of places so did. I used to go, and it's just thinking about. It, I was like, oh, now it's that. Now knowing that it's all murder, that yeah. the whole thing is literally based on murder. I remember that, and actually, I think there's footage of you being like, 
can you fuck me in the ass? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, fine. Uh, yeah. It'd be nice if <laughs> <laughs> by the late 60s, the crossroads of the world had become seedy, like many other locations built in the 20s and 30s that started off as classy. LA's full of places like that. Yes. New York's full of places like that. Whereas before, the offices at the crossroads had been rented out by the likes of Alfred Hitchcock. They were, by the late 60s, populated by con men and pornography producers. <laughs> Truly. And how fucking dare you? I don't disagree with that. That is the backbone of this industry. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. See, many of the storefront facades had small sound stages consisting of little more than a few lights, a tripod, a rumpled bed, and some worn furniture as set pieces. Huh. These humble beginnings, however, were the birthplace of the American pornography industry. Uh, and John... <laughs> I'm starting to think my sis is a little bratty. <laughs> oh, what's that? I think someone's <laughs> stuck in my washing machine. Help! Help! <laughs> and of course, when the American porn industry was born, John Holmes was in the right place at the right time. And I, I will... Okay. Yes, obviously, you know. This is one of these stories where you never really hear a, an entire career based off a of penis. Mm -hmm. We hear actually careers based off of boobies quite a bit. Mm -hmm. sure. And so it's interesting that this, he was just, because uh, he wasn't right about anything, right? <laughs> In my mind, John Holmes was never correct. He just happened to have a huge schlong yeah. at the right place when a huge schlong would make you a lot of money. Yeah. I don't, I mean, just the, the story at this point, though, he does seem like a sympathetic lover. He's not. He's, he's a coward. Not, he's, an he's, asshole. A, he's a he's coward. A total, he's a piece of shit. Okay, he's just, an awful person. Okay, I'm just yeah. saying up from what we're learning thus no, far. Because we're hearing no his version. Not at no point? Yeah, no. it's all, we're literally hearing his version. <laughs> yeah, of the oh, story. this yeah. is his, so this is his take on his life. Yeah, you're oh, yeah. just hearing John's side of gotcha. the story. Okay, good to know. And we're going to hear more of the rest, the rest of the story <laughs> as it goes on. Or could it be? It was nothing but an alien power port. <laughs> Well, as the story goes, a porn magazine had made an open casting call to an office at the crossroads. And when John walked in, the people who made the open call didn't think that they could use him because without his dick, John was just a skinny, weird looking dude with an afro. Yeah. He just looked like low rent Ichabod Crane. <laughs> <laughs> he was gross. He just, I, I, I feel like there's some people after that who call him cute or handsome or whatever. And I guess I just don't, I don't see it. No. Yeah. yeah. All right. But once John went to the back room and stripped down, the casting director took one look and said, Kid, you're going to be a star. <laughs> this is going to go great. <laughs> and from that moment forward, John C. Holmes began saying that the C stood for cash. You know what's funny, oh. man, is that for such a long time, I thought it started with the K. <laughs> yeah, I would say cock, but I guess he went with cash. He's okay. already there. Yeah. Now, after the success of Deep Throat, porno theaters like the Pussycat in Los Angeles began popping up all over the country because Americans suddenly had little problem being seen waiting in line to watch a fuck movie with a bunch of other people. Because it huh? became a political movement in a way. In a where it was a little bit of like about liber people's liberation, about yeah. being able to artistically express themselves. These guys were kind of so it was kind of cool to go see porn for a second. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, as far as John's first legal movie went, the first with the plot. It was called The Lady's Bed Companion. Oh, what's okay. that about? 
Holmes plays a dildo salesman. <laughs> Actually, this one's a renter. <laughs> At least make him sell in vacuums. And, Very on the nose. And he hadn't quite found his confidence yet. So it's said that like his voice in this movie, they said he sounded like Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. Oh, Man. my God. My mom had friends she called. My, I had friends that my mom called little Eddie Haskells quite often. That meant that she didn't like them. Well, they're she said that they were always, they're, they're always suck ups. Suh, suck ups. Suck yeah. yeah, suck ups. Hey, we got a nine inch. Hey, we got nine inch. Jay Leno. Yeah, Doritos. This is a regular guy. I'm just a regular guy. Holmes, however, put in an adequate performance when it came to acting. Big performance when it came to cock. Yeah, he's okay. Got, that's yeah. the that's the main thing. And his career took off from there. I uh, will say, I saw some documentary where several women that work with him said he was never completely hard. It's difficult to be How? completely hard with thirteen inches. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How do you I, get the blood up there. And that's the thing. Smaller penises, very hard. Indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But yes, would indeed. you rather have a tiny toothpick or a big floppy? Broadsword. I would honestly. Well, it depends what you want to do with it. It's not a toothpick. It's more like a serving spoon. Oh, and nothing wrong <laughs> a with salad that. fork. Okay. <laughs> and I prefer a strong backed salad fork. Absolutely. <laughs> well, the problem was John Holmes was, if you'll remember, married, and he oh, hadn't yeah. told his wife about any of this. Oh, you're going to want to just bring it up. Well, as the story goes, John's wife, Sharon, came home from her job as a nurse one day to find her husband measuring his penis, marveling at the monstrous size of his own member. Did you see this? Did you see this thing? (laughs) Wow. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this thing? You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this thing? Yes, indeed. Footlong. Get your footlong. Have you seen this? You know what I'm talking about? Dodger Stadium over here? What's going on? When she asked why he was measuring his own penis, John decided that this was the moment to come clean. Might as well, I mean. He told her that he discovered what his life's work was going to be. He said that he always wanted to be the best in the world at something. And Sharon, you're never going to guess what it is. It's pornography. Oh, good. It's a lot. No. It's, it's a lot. Isn't okay. that great? It's pornography. But two I'm going to be a pornography actor. To Henry's previous joke, it is still better than being a comedian. <laughs> if you're married and you're so. like, honey, I'm getting getting into stand-up comedy. Well, that means then it's about to go all right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Now, if you'll remember, Sharon was a nice lady. She'd waited until marriage to have sex. She was a nurse. She just wanted a nice, normal life. Uh-oh. She was devastated to find out that her husband had, at this point... Been a pornography actor for years. Wow. Thousands of times over. It is kind of, it's like, know. how do you put this? There's something about like having a third, again, it's that size of penis. That it's not like, it's not, you, you know, again, other guys have got to, but you, you're a normal lady. You know that that's. This is going to lead to trouble. I feel like you're looking at this thing. I don't know. There are many big dicked men out there who have totally normal lives. I'm saying normal big dick men. I'm saying a 13 incher. You're looking at it and you're like, this is this is bad news. The indictment (laughs) on the big dick community coming from Mr. Zabrowski today. Well, as John explained it to her, his job. It's no different than being like a carpenter. Oh God! Well, no, I'm. I, oh, now, uh, so she looks at people all the time nursing. Jesus Christ. Christ! Are you fucking? I'm not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. See, I see. I see Jesus whenever I look at him. <laughs> 
And he was hung like John Holmes. <laughs> and he was hung like this. You get it. They don't even have to see they it. Get it. They get it. Yeah, yeah, good, they, good, they, yeah. good humor. Rich yeah. humor. Well, the way John put it, his big cock, it's just a tool. Yeah. It's the thing that oh, yeah. he uses to make a living. And when he comes home at night, tool stays at the job. Yeah, man, that's the job. Yeah, I mean, it's covered with the, let's call it job <laughs> residual, but it's here Residue. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the no, residue. Okay. No, no, man, it's like when a mechanic comes home, he washes the grease off his hands. I mean... It's true. Some it's people, true. but yeah. some people do get upset if you are. Sex workers deserve love. He could do the thing, but I yeah. feel like it's how you position it. Well, and thing. I feel like if you've been lying for years for being a pornography actor for a long time, and you're doing something like that's like bad. You've got to start from a place of communication. Well, you have to start ah, from a place. Right. Well, of, I am a. I, I do this. Are you cool with it? Yep. Did she? That's ask, all you got to do. That's first. Did stop. she ever ask where the money's coming from? Well, I think he lied. He okay. didn't make. The, he. He I must have made some cash. It was starting to make money, but it wasn't until he like. Became a star. He uh, was making like seventy-five bucks a film. Like so it he's was, still just—he's uh, in the minor leagues. He's definitely in the minor leagues at okay. this point. Yeah, he's done like one big film, but he's done thousands of those loops. So he—or right. he said he's done a thousand of those loops. So he'd made wow. a good amount of money at that okay. time. Yeah. You know, those loops. Sometimes you get paid twenty bucks. Sometimes you get paid fifty. It's not a lot of cash. And he knows from experience. Yeah, but he said he wasn't cheating at all. He says this is just my tool, so you should be cool with it. Uh-huh. And Sharon, she wasn't swayed, but amazingly, she stayed. Yeah. They kept living together in a sort of like weird domestic arrangement for almost another decade. They still slept in the same bed. They would kiss each other good night, but they did stop having sex in 1975. So interesting. That was around okay. the time that she saw a picture of uh, him in the midst of full, deep penetration. Yeah, flagrante. Yeah. All right. Live from your grave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. 
On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and Maron, did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for, you can see it with the Blue Nile bling she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com, BlueNile.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, around the time John came clean to his wife, he met a UCLA film school graduate named Bob Chin, who saw the fledgling porn industry as an opportunity to make his mark on the world of film. See, porno theaters were requesting more feature-length movies like Deep Throat, but Bob was just taping five or six loops together to make a porno that was technically feature-length, but it didn't have a plot. Gotcha. You're going to need the story. That all changed, of course, when John Holmes entered Bob's office looking for work. Now, at first glance, Bob thought that John was like a gaffer or like a grip. Yeah, he's ugly. He thought he was crew. John was not a handsome man. But according to legend... Well, he does have that mustache, though. Let's give him a little credit for that stash. Every guy had the stash that in those days. But not like that one. We're bringing it back. But according to the legend, when John dropped his pants, Bob's partner said, quote, What a wad this guy has! Wowie, wowie, wow! entire thing is just, man, it, it is a superpower. Because he, he alters reality. <laughs> they see one thing, and then he drops trout, and they just, just like it all signs. changes. It's all dollar yeah. signs. Now, for some reason, the word wad stuck in their head. They loved it. They didn't think it sounded disgusting or yeah. off-putting yeah, at porno. all. porno. Johnny Wad. Ugh. Instead, they built an entire character around the word wad, a character that would come to define the career of John Holmes. And that character was, of course, Johnny Wad. I think it's it for a porn star. That's the proper name. Sure. Yeah. Well, he was still John Holmes. Johnny Wad was the character he played that in a series a of films. This is how he got to keep the marriage. <laughs> because he said, <laughs> I'm Johnny Wad. I'm when I'm at the house, character. I'm Holmes. Yes. See, Johnny Wad was kind of a hard-boiled, dirty, hairy type detective <laughs> whose trademarks were a pinky ring and a big dick. Just like his father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, 
Johnny Wad would extract information about a case from a woman through said big dick. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't a complicated plot. No, not. it was not. Now while John it's was no, it's no less complicated than Matlock. Yeah. Now while John was an ugly man, he had an edge on other porn performers at the time because he could memorize lines <laughs> and he could sort of act. It's wow. like how they chose the horse to be Mr. Ed. <laughs> peanut butter. He can make his mouth move right. Yeah. That was with peanut butter. Yeah. Yep, this helped considerably because porno theaters were looking for porno flicks with at least a semblance of a plot. Here's an example of John's acting skills in a Johnny Wad movie okay. that also shows how Johnny Wad got things done. <laughs> I'll come straight to the point, Mr. Wad. Johnny, call me Johnny. Johnny, give something that I want. I cannot possibly imagine what I could have that you'd be interested in. Dick. Or does he? It's cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, cock. I, the answer is cock. The answer is a big oh, cock. Yeah, it's it's you didn't, big you cock. didn't see the smile that he had or the smile that she had, but the answer is a, a large, unusual member. Uh, you guys are, I think you're demonizing his looks. I think he's it's confident. Conf, competent? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So Bob Chen wrote the first Johnny Wad script on the back of an envelope and shot it two days later at his cameraman's apartment on Venice Beach. Johnny Wad was an immediate hit. So the two- back of an envelope. <laughs> oh, I do love that. I love. But that's you know, a movie. That's a movie right it there. It was a large envelope. Yeah. Didn't that J.K. Rowling chick start writing on napkins? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very similar. Very yeah. similar. Yeah, but she didn't write the entirety of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on napkins. Who knows? Well, I mean, there was no big. She had no big cock to save the scenes. <laughs> God, what if that would have been incredible? Yeah. If the very Hodor, is it Hodor in that one? Harry Potter reveals his 13-inch fucking cock. <laughs> <laughs> he did on stage. Oh, dude. I did, saw it. Yeah, he is. He's got a, he's got a lot speaking of that. That's not bad. Yeah. Well, two weeks after the release of I'm John... I'm going to get some grief. It's not Hodor. Who's the big hairy guy in that one? Hagrid. It's, it's the same. It's, it's all the same. It's, it's not, the, I it's get not called, the same. I get called all of these things, so I'm just trying to get it called right. Hagrid is much nicer than Hodor. It is. Yeah, my friend. Because Hagrid could talk. Because well, you yeah, do genuinely, asked, at this point in time, you do genuinely look like Hagrid. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jesus, Hagrid, Christ. God, help us all. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask my friend. I said, they call me Hodor. And he's like, well, he is really nice, but he's super stupid. <laughs> I was like, no. God cool. damn. Yeah, hey, well, let me tell Well, two weeks <laughs> after. Got me good. Well, two weeks after the release of Johnny Wad, they shot a sequel called The Flesh of the Lotus. <laughs> That's cool, because they're trying to be classy. Yeah, they're trying to be classy, yeah. Right. That, was ju- that took just a day to shoot, and it was in theaters in within a week. Well, see, t- they're like South Park. They are. They, they just come up with it, and they get it done. They shot it during the day. They developed it that night. They edited it the next day, and man, it's just out everywhere. You can't say they weren't working. No. Now, porno movies could be shown in Los Angeles in the early 70s, but you could still be prosecuted for filming porno in Los Angeles under pimping and pandering laws. Pandering I actually hadn't heard of before. Pandering is the act of attempting to influence a person into doing illegal sex work. Yeah, I never heard of that term. Okay. There was even a special vice squad assigned to busting porno shoots, which the porn industry nicknamed the Pussy Posse. And the industry even would provoke the squad. They sent them 15 t-shirts that said mm, Pussy Posse. They, okay. They really did win. They went after it very hard. Really and I, hard. And I think a part well, of it, yeah. like, obviously, in the back in the day, 
which is why it's nice for these things to start to come like get folded into legal systems and have all these people looking at it. Is that there was a, there was a lot of human trafficking yeah. in this industry. They are were being pulled back and forth. There was a lot of rape. There was a lot of people like getting pulled out of like horrible situations, get forced and put into movies, all this type of shit. So no, I mean, Linda Lovelace like said specifically like Deep Throat is rape pornography. Yeah, that, that she was coerced and she was raped on on screen and. Everybody saw it, and she didn't come out until years later with that. Now but. it's nice that they're like, that's the idea. If you make it a regulated like industry, yes. but you know, then capitalism does its thing. Mm -hmm. Well, as a result of the increasing police pressure in Los Angeles, Bob Chin started filming in San Francisco. And there, he and John ended up making 14 Johnny Wad films in total, with names like Around the World with Johnny Wad, oh. Tell Them Johnny Wad is Here, Oh God, I'll get the kitchen ready, <laughs> and... Here comes Johnny Wad. Yeah. Got it. So the, it seems like there's a similar thing, t theme to the names. Yes. Yeah. Well, those are only three out of 14. There's others. Do you know, all of them Flesh have of the Johnny Lotus, Not all of them have Johnny okay. Wad. Okay. No. Sure. Only, only five or six of them have I Johnny Wad. I did love to play as Johnny Wad in Mortal Kombat, though. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a Johnny the Cage. Cock, the Johnny, cock finisher yeah, there. The cock finisher. He, did, he would just he, drown them in semen. He did. <laughs> he did. Finish him. He did actually punch people in the genitals. So there is a slight connection. It tracks. There is a slight connection. Now, by the mid-70s, John Holmes was getting paid the modern equivalent of $20,000 a day Ooh, for what? shoots, which had extended from one-day affairs to six-week productions. So he was making over a hundred grand a week? Yeah. It, it, for, you know, certain shoots, yeah. yeah for, for a short period of time. Yeah, for a short period of time. Yeah, it's a real film, Jack. Wow. He'd become so popular that according to one porn actress named Bunny Blue, when John went on promotional tours, women would literally urinate themselves in excitement when they met the infamous Johnny Wad. You kind of wow. see it. I saw a section of uh, one of his interviews from the Exhausted documentary, and you can kind of see the giddiness of the woman that is talking to him. I, I equate a lot of it to cocaine. In that documentary, you, you can kind of hear the people that are enjoying enjoying themselves on cocaine, and then you see John Holmes who is cocaine Yeah, and watch how he's in total, he's obviously all fucked up, but they're all laughing and giddy to be around him. And he's making these dumbass Coke jokes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by Coke yeah. jokes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They were doing a bunch of Coke. Yeah. Well, John Holmes, by the mid seventies had even earned a nickname. He was called the Errol Flynn of pornography. So this is because of his, Swordsmanship, you if you get my drift. Who is Errol Flynn? Uh, he played like Zorro. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, he gotcha. was. A, he was a. Sw he always played the swashbuckler roles. Gotcha. And indeed, John Holmes was becoming a bona fide celebrity with movies like Dick Man and Throbbing. What's that about? Batman, Batman and Robin. Robin. Oh, yeah. He actually didn't even. Well, look at that. Dick, it took me a little. I had to think about it because I. Dick I, Man I, and Throbbing. I approached yeah. it as a word puzzle. Right. And, yeah, I, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to have to think. And I, yeah, Batman and Robin. Uh, yeah. He also had Confessions of a Teenage Peanut Butter Freak. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> most controversial, The Zodiac Rapist, ah. which is exactly what it sounds like. How'd that what? test? Wait. <laughs> I wonder how that did. Right. And it was like around the time of The Zodiac Killer uh, murders as well. Like it was, it, it's a Controversial film. Oh, okay. well, thing I think about I actually brought up. I was reading Joe Bob Briggs's book about exploitation films and pornography in particular, and he brings up a little bit about like this guy. It's not the same, but Rudolph Valentino, yeah. like that that guy that was Valentino, super famous. Uh, it was. 
that kind of happened with him too. Like it's his most famous movie is a gigantic rape fantasy. The yeah. chic that he was famous for. It's all like, and this was just, well, I mean, it's it also, I suppose, in. I suppose it plays on films as well. Like I spit on your grave, which was the revenge. Yes. Later uh, on. No, this is just John Holmes raping a bunch of no, women. No, I know, but yeah, I'm saying that movie is. is like literally a comment on that culture. I yes, believe Where exactly. then she yeah. gets revenge and murders everybody. It's a brutal well, first half of that movie. And then the second half, you're like, kill him, kill him. But then John Carpenter, who she made that movie, is a part of it is that he worked in pornography for mm-hmm. many years. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And the, the Zodiac Rapist does end with him getting captured and sentenced to death. He's supposed to be sentenced to hanging, but the epilogue said that his execution was canceled after they discovered he was hung enough already. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> it ends with a pun. It ends all right, right. Yeah. there we go. Such was John's fame that he began filming all over the world. One time, he went to France to make a porno remake of Beauty and the Beast, and a Haitian dwarf who was part of this like weird Fellini-type orgy scene delivered a pound of African weed to the set. For the enjoyment of all involved. God okay, bless. sweet. That sounds awesome. John performed in quite a few gay pornography films as well, okay. as it wasn't uncommon at the time for performers to do both. His best-known gay works are The Private Pleasures of John Holmes, Pool Party, mm-hmm. and Just Good Friends. Hey, that's what we are. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, <laughs> we're just good friends. We're just good friends. Now, even though John was more or less a minor celebrity by the mid-70s, he'd secretly been a police informant since 1973. This is what? where it all begins. This guy's a, this is why, it, I mean, he's truly a piece of shit. See, the Vice Squad was so on top of the porno industry that producers would never tell the cast exactly where they would be shooting until the day of the shoot. Hmm. I would say, like, porno actors and actresses, loose lips. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Usually, yeah. the actors would meet the producers for lunch at a Los Angeles restaurant. And then they would be told, okay, go to this address and this is where we're going to film. Or go to this address, pick somebody up, then take them to the film. They had better security than Ronnie Reagan did. Well, they needed they needed to do it because they knew that they were going to get arrested and they were following them. They're mm-hmm. all over the industry. Right. And 10 years is no joke. And on the day that John got busted, a different informant had told the Vice Squad the time and location of John's meeting with a producer in Hollywood. And just like anybody in Los Angeles, when he heard somebody else just got a job, he was like, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> After the meeting, the LAPD followed John to the valley, where John picked up two girls who were supposed to be involved in the production. As it turned out, the girls were underage, Ooh. 16 and 17 years old. So the cops showed up at John's house in Glendale, where he still lived with his wife, with an arrest warrant. Uh-oh. John was facing three years in jail for pimping, but if he so chose, he could cooperate by telling the vice squad who was directing, producing, and financing pornography in the Valley, in addition to telling them the locations of shoots and where actors were being picked up for said shoots. It reminds me of Walt Disney, who was also an informant for the FBI. And did you know the original Mickey Mouse Club was filmed in FBI headquarters? They, yeah, I, Walt Disney reminds me a lot of John Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, in his, he's a snitch. Yeah. John then spent three years snitching on the rest of his industry, which would later go a long way in keeping John Holmes out of jail when he became extraordinarily addicted to freebasing cocaine. You never hear anybody who's just like, 
I just tried it once. <laughs> well, sometimes. Yeah, you do. Sometimes. May I ask? I actually don't know what freebasing. What's different between snorting and freebasing? We're going to get into all. Trust me, man. Okay. You're going to hear a lot about freebasing cocaine in this series. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're going to teach you how to do it, and we're going to do it together. This is the D.A.R.E. program for our listeners. I dare you to freebase cocaine with me. <laughs> now, as I just mentioned, John was still living with his wife, Sharon, in Glendale all throughout the 70s. When John wasn't filming or doing publicity, he helped his wife manage a series of cottages that were owned by a pediatrician that Sharon worked for. In 1976, though, a 15-year-old girl named Dawn arrived at John and Sharon's cottages with her sister and her abusive father, who had just returned from Thailand with a new wife after abandoning his family for seven years. Welcome back, Daddy! Jesus. Yeah, it's just broken home after broken home, right. you know? There's a theme there. John soon took notice and began grooming Dawn. And after he took her to a showing of one of his movies, the autobiography of a flea, which was based on the anonymous 19th century erotic novel of the same name, okay. John began a long-lasting sexual affair with this underage girl. Soon, Dawn became emancipated from her father, her sister moved back to Florida, and all that was left was Sharon and John. Now, Sharon still tried being a good person by acting as a mother figure, but Dawn was smitten with John who was more than twice her age. This is very similar to Boogie Nights, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. She was 15, he was 32. Ugh. Basically, Don would do anything for John. And as it was, the days were coming when John would need quite a bit of assistance. See, by the mid to late 70s, porno sets had become awash with cocaine to the point where some actors were straight up paid in cocaine so as to cut out the middleman. You know what's so mm. hard, though, about cocaine? paying rent with it. <laughs> well, you can. People, yeah, but a lot of people, it takes some time. You got to build up trust with your super. Yeah, and this yeah. is also the very dark side of the industry here right. because, you know, these producers would use cocaine to control the actors. Of yes. course. To get and them when, to do shit that they didn't want to do. It's like, well, if you don't want to do anal, you're not going to get your cocaine. Here's a little sniff. Go for it. And then so on and so forth. Of course. One oh, uh, industry 101. Yeah. Disgustingly enough. Now, John was actually Cali sober until the mid 70s, only smoked weed. But at the encouragement of a producer, John tried Coke for the first time in 1976. And he, like most people who try it, fucking loved it. Oh, yeah. I, I will start the, the seed mm. of this thought, which is I actually thought it was really Miley Cyrus made a really interesting comment about touring and how it was like fucking up her life. And the one thing that she said was because as you are performing for hundreds of thousands of people on some level, they're looking at you as this rock star that is creating this massive sea of entertainment for them and they love you and they worship you. But you know, in your own head, you're just lady. You're just somebody who just does fucking whatever. It's like, I sing good. I come from a singing family. To me, this is normal. I'm, I'm doing this for forever. So at some point you either have to believe that you are this otherworldly beyond human rock star and it makes you some kind of weirdo or if you're a normal person that is in this type of job you have to do something to supplement that behavior and one of those things that really helps you feel like a rock star apparently is cocaine yeah and that what yeah. that does is fill out the yeah. ego and now what we're going to see is with john holmes is that that connection of all of this shit where the cocaine is going to make him feel like quote unquote johnny wad 
all the time. Right. right? You wanna, versus yeah. not being, instead of going from Johnny to John, right? I'm you not Johnny remem- Watt anymore. You want to remember you're Brian Warner. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah. Make sure, you, you want to remember you're the guy. You're, you're just a, a person. Being. You're yes. a human being. That's why Iggy Pop is the best because he never forgot about Jim Osterberg. Yes. That's his real name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Iggy. old Osterberg. There yeah. you go. He doesn't introduce himself as Iggy. Like when you meet him, he's like, hi, Jim. Nice to meet you. That's what you have to Every do. Every time. I would love you, to meet him. I would love And I'd to be m- like, Mr. Jim, I love your work. <laughs> I, that's all I've ever said to anyone that I've met thus far. I've you been, are good. And I got to meet <laughs> we Wade. We met Wayne Coyne. I was just like, I, you, I literally just did the, we're not, I'm not worthy. Your yeah. name's Wayne. <laughs> yeah. I think I said that to him. Yeah. I You're just, Wayne. <laughs> that's incredible. Now, he, now, even though cocaine was becoming common on most sets, Bob Chin, the director of the Johnny Wad movies, knew that having drugs on set only made porno shoots more dangerous than they already were in the legal sense. Wow, he was like, he had almost like a like a, a, a sense of, like, propriety. Yes. Well, he understood. Yeah, that's... Therefore, Bob banned coke, and that's how his relationship with John ended. One day, Bob caught John on set with coke and flushed it down the toilet. John, therefore, refused to work, and from that point on, Bob refused to work with John at all. And, okay. of course, that is the point where John's life began to rapidly slide downhill. This was, is, I mean, it's it's not even sliding downhill. This is when John Holmes fell off the cliff. Yeah, oh. yeah. There was no, there was no gradual. No. He had no, so the technically the safety net that was keeping him, air quotes, kind of saying was porn. Yeah, yes. and the dude and so was trying, and, away, he, and he was trying to make it safe for him because he understood, oh, we're cruising for a fucking brute. This train is going to a wall. Yeah, and right. this guy, and we, so he he did the good thing. He did the thing where he said, I'm going to stop this for you. I'm going to try to stop it for you. And then he said, no, he decided he knew better because now he's Johnny Watt. He's yeah. not John Holmes anymore. Well, pretty <sighs> soon, John and his underage living girlfriend, Don were doing coke two to three times a week, starting off. But that developed into an all-day, everyday freebasing habit, which is, to put it lightly, the least cost-effective way to do cocaine. Warren Buffett would never do (laughs) cocaine that way. Not diversified (laughs) enough, yeah. Now, freebase cocaine is similar to crack, but it's actually far more potent. Okay. In those days, freebase users cook cocaine into crystals themselves using a heat source water and baking soda. Bunsen burner. Mm Is it like, it's basically smoking cocaine. Right? Yeah. In a way. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. Well, people used to do that, put their cigarette in a bag or something and smoke it like that. Oh, yeah. That. And then famously, yeah. that was like, you know, I forget, the, the chronic, mm. I believe is what we called it back in the day when back someone would put day. cocaine on a blunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as far as John's setup mm-hmm. went. You're like, that? is that my, is that's that good? True. Do I that's not fine. sound like an undercover police officer? <laughs> <laughs> is it the mustache? <laughs> okay, guys, I have heard hey, of this the, chronic the, you speak of. I'm here for the chronic do you guys have chronic <laughs> well as far as john's setup went he was never seen without a samsonite suitcase which contained what we would today call a crack pipe plus baking soda a petri dish and lots of cocaine in addition to a bottle of 151 and cotton swabs for lighting the pipe because this is before the days of the butane lighters you just see jim carrey from dumb and dumber opening up and be like he must be a scientist <laughs> 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 he puts an IOU in there. It's an IOU for hundred thousands of dollars worth of cocaine. You're gonna want to keep it. <laughs> so from a gram of cocaine, John could get four or five hits of freebase. That's it. That's it. That's it. From, That's like going to the high stakes slot machines, putting a hundred bucks in, hitting it one time, and be like, God dang it. Yep. yep. 
those grams cost a hundred dollars each in so, nine in nineteen seventy eight. He'd be burning money. Yeah, he was freebasing every ten to fifteen minutes. Oh, His wow. fucking freebasing habit cost him the modern equivalent of eight thousand dollars a day. Holy every penny. <laughs> I mean, that is wow. That's a lot. But of course, the more John freebased, the more erratic he became on sets. And the less his dick worked. Oh, yeah. By 1978, he'd gone from proudly being the most reliable performer in the industry to a glassy-eyed, gaunt mess who would get caught rifling through drawers on sets for something to steal and sell for more cocaine. So he's really hitting rock bottom here. Yeah. It's around this time. It's it's already like, it went right to the fucking sea floor, dog. Yeah, Yeah, he never should have started that uh, cocaine, I don't think. No. It's around this time that Holmes filmed his infamous, quote-unquote, documentary about his own life. It's called Exhausted. Oh, my God. It's such a cry for help. Yeah. Yes. And Holmes is so out of his mind high that he barely remembered where he was or what he was supposed to be doing. Here's one highly coked-up clip. You made love to 14,000 women. One would tend to wonder how you stimulate your thoughts make love to another one. Uh, a, a happy gardener is one with dirty fingernails and a happy cook is a fat cook. I, I never get tired of what I do because I'm a sex fiend. I really enjoy what, I, what I'm doing. I'm very lusty. You can tell he's lying. You can tell that he, he hasn't felt the, t- he hasn't felt his own cock in so long yeah. that he's just, yeah. he's, no, he's gone. He's on, it's, that's cocaine. No, it's he's this- definitely, Hollow eyed. No, it's the scene in Boogie Nights where he's sitting there like jerking Ugh. off for 30 minutes in the bathroom, like trying to get it up because the cocaine right. has just absolutely killed it. I hope you're not in the middle of trying to like make a child. You know what I mean? Like, when I don't think they're listening while well, they do that. Just like understand. <laughs> I, God, because it's like, it's just not sexy. No, it's not sexy at all. And, no. and that's but the, it's weird that he says that he was so excited for it because the name of the thing is exhausted. He looks exhausted. The words don't match up. No, not at all. And at this point, nobody works with him at all. He's out of the film business. Now, at the height of his fame, John Holmes was making the modern equivalent of $3 million a year. But by the late 70s, he was reduced to breaking into cars, ransacking the houses of old friends, charging appliances to his wife's credit card, then selling them for cash, and most pathetically, stealing luggage from LAX. This was one of the weirdest scams I'd ever heard of, that he would just go to LAX pull bags off a carousel, and then take it to pawn shops and just sell all the shit. Walk out. The novel that uh, John Waters just wrote, Liar Mouth, which yeah. is just fucking incredible, uh, it, that's what it's about. It's about a woman who steals luggage uh, Whoa, from airports. Oh, that's interesting. I guess it's you so, could still do that, Oh, I yeah. Suppose. It's so fucking good. He's going to make it. He's good, finally returning to filmmaking. He's going to make it into a movie. Yes. I can't fucking wait. I can't wait. That's great. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. I mean, at the height of his fame, $3 million a year. So at one point, he could have had conceivably $6, 7000000 million in the bank in today's with money. Eight grand a day in Freebase. Nope. Yeah, and yeah, and it's just by 1978, 1979, it's fucking gone. John's cocaine-fueled paranoia was also getting out of control. See, at this time, the Hillside Strangler murders were in full swing. Which is like, makes it wow. so, yeah, yeah, Kennifer's out there yeah. doing this shit, so you know that, like, so... The high paranoia is coming from somewhere. Yeah, and they were dumping bodies like 
around John Holmes's cottage in Glendale. Yeah. And I must ask for the audience and myself, Manson family, uh, what are they up this to? This is 69. That was before. This is okay. all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, so they're, they're not, not around, this around like a, This is like a decade after. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so John started carrying around a 357 Magnum everywhere he went, just in case. And you know who knows how to use guns better than anybody else? An actor. Especially a born actor. <laughs> uh, ask yeah. Alec Baldwin. Indeed. There has never been a more powerful actor. Jeez Louise. Now, when a drug habit gets to be as bad as John's, the addict will inevitably become well-known to their dealer. Perhaps you may even become friends. If you're just buying, like, weed or shrooms, you get friendly with the guy. Yeah, they get to know you. Yeah. Of course. But a guy who deals weed is an entirely different animal from a guy who deals coke. Yes. And when a person becomes close to their coke dealer, it's almost inevitable that they're also going to get caught up in the coke game. You know what? Right. Have a coffee. <laughs> Have a coffee. Have an... Mothman blend. Yeah, that's a good plug. That's a good plug. Yeah, that's a good plug. If you're freebasing cocaine right now, put it away. Yeah. Have a cold brew. Freebase Mothman coffee. Anytime. Fantastic idea. (laughs) Now, when it came to John Holmes. And also, you're welcome for the free ad. What a great ad it was. (laughs) It was. Yeah. Yeah. Mothman coffee from Spring Hill Jack. SpringHillJack.com. If you're thinking about, yeah. Yeah. If you're thinking about it, just coffee. Just coffee. Now, when it came to John Holmes, his addiction was so bad that he had two sources, and both were equally scuzzy. The first was a group of heroin addicts known as the Wonderland Gang, so named Uh because they lived at 8763 Wonderland Avenue in Laurel Canyon, right in between the San Fernando Valley and Hollywood. It's like 20 minutes from where we are right now. Wow. Beautiful San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Now, in the late 60s, Before all of this shit, Laurel Canyon was what people think of when they imagine the music scene at the time to be in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Graham Nash and David Crosby are hanging out at Mama Cass's place. Yeah. Joni Mitchell's looking out of her dining room window, seeing naked girls floating in Frank Zappa's duck pond. Don't eat the yellow snow. (laughs) 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 Well, that's fine. I just ate all the brown. I ate all the brown snow. I ate all the shit on top of the snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the iconic. That's the 70s or 60s. That's what you want. I mean, just... Hang out with Joni Mitchell well, and that whole town. It's, it's, it's The doors classy. are hanging around. It's oh. real Hollywood. That's real Hollywood royalty. There's probably time. a dibble dabble of cocaine there as oh, well. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, it was better cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, there's also like the conspiracy theories surrounding Laurel Canyon at this time period are fucking insane. Well, the fact that it was a giant remote outpost of the CIA that was using the counterculture movement in the 1960s to proliferate acid in order to discredit them and destroy thought, the hippie movement. I thought you said conspiracy theory. That's just a straight up fact. Yeah. No. No. The, no. It goes. Uh, there's an old man named uh, Dave McGowan. Oh, that's got yeah. a whole book about it. Oh, yeah, we we did it in our live show not too long ago. We did. Mm-hmm. It's uh, fascinating stuff. It's bullshit. Oh, it's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> it's a bunch of lies, just like all of his works. Oh, well, <laughs> they look like words to me. <laughs> <laughs> Those are words that I heard. Well, during this idyllic time back in the late 60s, before all the shit we're talking about now, 8763 Wonderland Avenue, where the Wonderland murders happen. It had actually been occupied by none other than Paul Revere and the Raiders. What? Yeah. This is a this is a this is a no dog. That is a Marcus. That's you know what? Fascinating. <laughs> no, these are the it's Paul the garage. I mean, I know, Paul I Revere and the Raiders. Yeah, they, they did the best version of Stepping Stone outside Step of Minor Threat. Stone. Yeah, I mean, awesome. they're fucking great. Okay. But by 1978, about ten years later. 8763 Wonderland Avenue was an eyesore in an otherwise nice neighborhood. Paint cracked and rust stained, caged behind iron bars and guarded by two pit bulls on the front steps. 
Now, when the house was flush with cocaine and heroin, traffic would actually build up outside of the house as dealers threw down bags of dope to every type of car from beat up Volkswagens to Rolls Royces. Some, however, would come inside to party. But Wonderland was one of those dark party houses, the kind that you immediately regret stepping into the moment you arrive, but somehow find that extrication is impossible for at minimum two to three harrowing hours. It's just you nursing a warm beer. Yep. Watching some like a bunch of people kind of dance with all the doors open yeah. and you're like yeah, it's dogs barking and everybody's like mad. There's some guy going like you don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> like for small, some reason, the small scent of urine. Yeah. Now there's yes. a guy that's uh, talking to you way too close. His, you and his, me, man. Yeah. You and me, man. Mm-hmm. We get it. <laughs> those guys, those guys over there, man. Yeah. They don't fucking get it. But man. that's kind of the trap because then you have to do drugs to make it seem okay. We, yeah. Because yeah, all you're night- like, you're caught. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're Buster Keaton in a world of insanity. Like, you can't look like a cop. Yeah. Yeah. It's hardwood floors, but it's only hardwood floors because they had to pull up the carpet for some reason that they're not going to tell you about. Or they tell you all about it and you wish they hadn't. Because now <laughs> you're a part of it. Yeah. Truly. Texas is full of all kinds of wonderful places. Oh, it is. I mean, don't worry. We <laughs> spend our time in Florida. Spend, you know, it's all there. Now, Wonderland was rented by a woman named Joy Miller, who shared the place with her boyfriend, Billy Deverell. Deverell was a 42-year-old heroin addict with a long record who was described as looking like the kind of guy you'd find in an El Paso dive bar. Big hat, big buckle, long legs. (laughs) Guy gets his boots? I don't know. No, it's not. He's not a cowboy. No, he's just rough and tumble. Yeah, rough man. Okay. Also living there was another heroin addict and accused multiple murderer named Ronnie Launius, 37. Launius was a Vietnam veteran who'd been dishonorably discharged and jailed for smuggling heroin back to America in the body bags of dead servicemen. I'm a wow. real piece of shit. <laughs> Holy hell, that's that's crazy. Ronnie- Name's Ronnie. Everybody hates me. <laughs> yeah, I'm a piece of shit. You ever get fired from a murdering squad? That's me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was like, what do you got to do to get dishonorably discharged from NOM? Ronnie had also been charged with killing a police informant, but the charges were dropped when the prosecution's key witness was killed in a shootout with the police. And that's called Mercury just getting out of Metro retrograde. <laughs> yeah, that is a, uh, that's interesting. Ron's propensity for murder in the pursuit of crime was so great that at the time of his death, he was linked to almost 30 open homicide cases all over California. It's so he's a, a serial killer. No, no he's not. No, he's no, no, I'm just a terminal... I'm a professional person of interest. How many bodies are... <laughs> so he's it's kind of my gig. Yeah, it's my he's thing. just attached to 30 people who happen to die. No, he's not a serial killer. He's a person who has no problem killing in the pursuit of crime. Yes. He's a mass murderer. Yeah, he's a crazy person. He's a, a professional murderer Parson, and, and, and bad person. Parson yeah. Harris, okay. Uh, it's not Parson Harris. It's Parson Harris. It's not Parson Harris because so it does not fit the definition people? of he, a serial did killer. Did he kill 30 people? But he did not do so out of a compulsion or out of a sexual compulsion. You're talking about a this is a long FBI conversation. <laughs> it's true. It's interesting. Well, as far as how Ron Lanius spent his time in Wonderland, you could usually find him on a lot of heroin sharpening his massive and ever-growing knife collection. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The knife collection always kind of a yeah. Hey, man, Ronnie, a lot of people calling you aggressive these days. Have we thought about, like, Lego? 
<laughs> Legos, yes, indeed. Is there something indeed. that we can get in there, maybe a softer, getting into baking? Oh. my knife collection. I got the Lego Nintendo set over the break, mm -hmm. and it's so much fun. See, that's fun. It's really that's fun. That's really great, See, that's Marcus. better than a giant growing knife collection and being in the center of a web of murder and deceit. I don't have a knife collection, I don't I think. I had a knife collection. Yeah. I brought it down. I decided it wasn't the best thing to have around. Yeah. It yeah. did. You know, people get nervous when they walk into your house He's and learning. see a bunch of knives. Depends on how you keep them. Yeah. They were just around. They I'm were just, in a nice yep. display, like a big flower of knives. <laughs> actually kind of nice. <laughs> a bouquet of yes. knives. Yes. Well, that's good, Marcus. I'm happy that you realized that people were scared when they walked into your home mm -hmm. and decided to de-escalate the knives. You have a very warm home. Thank you. Of course he does. Thank you. Yeah, we we cultivate our home to be a warm home. Physically yes. warm. Yeah. 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 Oh, very physically warm. Yeah. 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 Well, there are cold. There are cold, cold people. people. Yeah. 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 Our our um even if it's 100 degrees outside, our uh, thermostat never goes below 78. Well, you do a good job oh of doing God, it for the rest of us. He does a good job of letting us be cool when we go. Yeah. That's I nice. we turn it down when people come over. We turn it down and put on hoodies. Yeah. Mama. Yeah. That's a hot house. Yes. Yeah. I All love right. I love the climate out here. Yes. Yeah, wonderful. Hey, getting there. Wow. Yeah. Shocking news. L.A. has good weather. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> good for us lizards people. Well, Ronnie Lanius also had a stint as an actor. He had a walk-on role in a Sylvester Stallone movie. That's not it. <laughs> so did my father. I told you, my father got cut out of daybreak. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Whoa. His, his one line, the sly, was hey, sly, hey, don't go in there. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, but they didn't let Ron act anymore because he stole like half the props on the set. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, hey, hey, listen, we have a bit of we have to have a conversation about this Ronnie. Yeah, uh, okay. and and these were the people that John Holmes was associating with every single day. So just a bunch of crooks and thieves, felons, and murderers, murderers, right, right, murderers yeah, yeah. straight up murderers. Now the Wonderland gang liked having John Holmes around the house because his presence made the party kind of cool, and also Ron liked to force John to pull out his dick and show it to everyone at the party, which sure. John didn't always want to do. But always did anyway. He became your yeah. like jester in yeah. this right. circle of crazy people. Yeah. yeah, and it would be that sort of very aggressive, like John, pull out your dick, show, show these people it. your fucking cock, man. Right? Yeah. Just yeah, just yeah. suck shitty shit all around. Yes. See, by this point in time, when John Holmes started spending a lot of time at Wonderland, he was effectively homeless. He had left Sharon and the cottage behind. He took his underage girlfriend with Sharon's beat-up Chevy Malibu, and when they couldn't afford a cheap motel room, they just slept in the fucking car. I mean, from millionaire to sleeping in the car in, like, two years. Yeah. Okay. And so, to help pay for both his habit and Dawn's, John became a cocaine and heroin delivery boy for the Wonderland gang. I'm going to just wow. say this. This is a note to the audience. If you're at one of these cruxes, it's never a necessarily good idea to double down yeah. on the cocaine like business part of it. Yeah. You're losing that roulette. Just stand up and go. You it's all right. Go. You got to break the you cycle. Got to go. Let's just say that freebasing cocaine has an effect on your decision-making skills. We're going to be, that's right. next episode's entire theme. <laughs> yes. And be very careful out there. And also, if you do do those sorts of things, get a tester because this fentanyl thing is very dangerous. I still feel like freebasing cocaine is a bit too far. I will never, I think recommend. It I'll never yes. recommend it. I'm not recommending. Be safe, please. Codenamed Betty Crocker because of the cook kit he carried everywhere. I John, think they're all so cool and they're all so uh, full oh of shit. God. I hate, it's also, it's I hate Betty, cocaine people. It's yeah. Betty fucking Cracker and it's or Betty Coker. Just come on, get better with it. 
John had to earn $1,000 a day to pay for a single nugget-sized rock he could freebase. While he was out on these runs, gone for hours or sometimes days, he'd leave Don in the Chevy Malibu with their Chihuahua Thor. <laughs> I mean, I do like that. It's a cute name for a Chihuahua. Yeah, you did. The Chihuahua. I love that name for a Chihuahua. Well, he treated this girl like shit, though. He'd leave right, her. Of course. He'd treat her. He'd leave her a can, a soda can. He's like, "Yeah, you can piss in this." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and every once in a while, he'd come back with a free base cut rock if he thought to bring one. Mm. But even though John was constantly committing sloppy felonies on a daily basis, his connections to the LAPD vice squad as an informant kept him out of jail for the time being. So he really had no reason to be careful. But is there any indication that the LAPD was, did they ever give him drugs? Well, no. I mean, it's a, this is well, one no, of those. A, like he's with the, he's with the pornography section of the vice squad. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, they don't I know see. because he's using his porno connections and all the, yeah, they're just busting porno. They're not talking about the drugs. They're I just busting see. people making movies. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a whole different wing. And it's also right. very possible. I mean, it's just like any of these, it's just like any fucking police organization. It's possible that the porno vice squad kept John away from the drug vice squad because like, no, 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 he's our informant. You can't bust him. We need him for porno. Uh, you can't have him for drugs. Because he I wasn't did good he, at crime. Did he think at all that he was under, like, did he fantasize about being undercover? Yes. And did so did he maybe just like, I'm just doing this part of my did he like think he was a character because it he, seems like he is like a seems like he disassociates himself almost he's just a giant asshole right yeah, he's a massive asshole and a huge drug addict. i mean yeah. he's just a massive cokehead uh, no yeah. the thought process is gone yeah okay now when john holmes wasn't earning cocaine by making runs for the wonderland gang he bought cocaine from a lunatic named eddie nash which we mentioned earlier the guy yes. that alfred Molina is based on loves jesse's girl and while Eddie Nash was not quite as scuzzy as the crew at Wonderland, he was nevertheless just as dangerous, just as unpredictable, and just as murderous. <laughs> Probably more so. Yes. Oh, my. John Holmes would soon find that his recklessness, addiction, and cowardice would all come crashing together in a bloody mess involving both Eddie Nash and the Wonderland gang. And that is where we'll pick back up for part two of John Holmes Ooh. and the Wonderland Murders. Man. It's been fascinating. We learned a lot. This is like, yeah. it's very interesting to hear the, the the history of it and where he comes from, kind of see what this fucker is because then next week you're going to kind of see like, because the horrible. jury's still out on mm. this entire crime. Yeah. No one was ever convicted, you said. No. Not convicted. So this is, a, this is I think, maybe the first time we've ever covered a story Well, uh, like that. It's, well, it is, how do you put it? Solved. We know yeah. Yeah. who did it. It's, it's solved. We know who did it, uh, but there's just there just wasn't enough evidence. All there right. were two different trials trying to convict people of these murders, and both of them led to acquittals. It's a whole thing. It's a, but it, we'll get awesome. it. We're going to unpack it. We we'll can't wait. figure yeah. it out. I want to do a new thing. I want to introduce people to this thing because I forgot to promote it, and I want people to go to it. So okay. in Atlanta, I am hosting a dinner at an incredible restaurant called Amatza. In, it's on October 11th. It's okay. called the Donner Party. We're going to have an, an extremely awesome, this chef is making a bunch of high-end food in the shape of human body parts. <laughs> okay. And, we, <laughs> and we, we're, we're certain they're not human body parts. They, I mean, well, I don't know. Oh, I actually okay. don't know. All right. I, don't know, I want to promote great. that before, we, before oh. we get out of here. All yeah. right. And No Dogs in Space is back this week. We got a new series that started up. Uh, we start off with an introduction to Krautrock for all those of you who don't know anything about it. Uh, and then we're moving on 
to uh, one of the coolest, heaviest psych bands out there, Amandul 2, in the same episode. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Oh, and check out Murder Fist. We've got new dates, 922. We've added a show with Dynasty Typewriter. Come check it out. Nice. All right. Well, thank you all so much for supporting the network. We appreciate you. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail again. Oh, and don't forget to watch our Twitch channel this Monday for uh, the return of the No Dogs in Space stream. There we go. No return. Yeah. We're going to be doing a record haul. We're going to be talking about the Flame and Lips concert that we went to a couple of weeks ago, showing a couple of clips from that, and just having (sighs) generally good music nerd time. That's twitch.tv slash last podcast network. That is Monday at 7 p.m. PST. They say don't meet your heroes, but everyone with the flaming lips, they were so unbelievably they sweet. They were incredible. And so, and Marcus, thank you, and Carolina for your great work on No Dogs. Thank you. Bye! Bye! <laughs> this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.